What's up, everybody? This is FTW with Imad Khan, part of the .esports podcast network. I'm Imad Khan of Tom's Guide. Last week, the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing filed a suit against Activision Blizzard for fostering a, quote, frat boy workplace where female employees were mistreated and harassed. One such case led to the suicide of a female employee. Conduct included male employees engaging in cube crawls where they would get drunk and go through cubicles, harassing female employees, offloading work to female employees so that they could play games at work, and openly engaging in sexual banter in the office. Other instances included women being passed up for promotions even if their performances were higher than their male counterparts by a sizable margin. The most striking case was the suicide of a female employee on a company trip who was in a relationship with a male supervisor. According to the suit, male employees had been passing around nude photographs of the employee. Activision Blizzard has had a mixed response throughout all of this. In a statement, the company fought back at the report from Bloomberg saying it had been cooperating with the DFEH and that it had been working to resolve these issues in good faith discussions before having to go to litigation. Activision Blizzard says that it is, quote, sickened by the reprehensible conduct of the DFEH to drag into the complaint the tragic suicide of an employee whose passing has no bearing whatsoever on this case and with no regard for her grieving family, end quote. The statement went on to say, quote, it is this type of irresponsible behavior from unaccountable state bureaucrats that are driving many of the state's best businesses out of California, end quote. But on the other hand, Activision Blizzard employees, both former and current, have apologized. Company co-founder Mike Morheim said on Twitter, quote, to the Blizzard women who experienced any of these things, I am extremely sorry that I failed you. I hear you. I believe you. And I'm so sorry I have let you down, end quote. Morheim left in 2019 after being with the company for 28 years. Joining me today is Hunter Cook, part of Dot Esports' investigative unit and is leading court coverage for the story. So Hunter, it's hard to know even where to start with this, but let's go right at the top. What are the latest developments regarding the story? Hey, nice to be here. So the latest developments, I would say, aren't necessarily like from the case. They would actually come from other publications. Uh, the most recent thing we've seen is uh, Primate Games and other uh, gaming websites and uh, a couple of YouTube channels. They have just openly stated that they will not cover um, any more Activision Blizzard uh, games anymore, along with uh, Ubisoft for um, in instances of reportedly similar conduct happening um, in those offices. Right now, like on a personal note i don't know necessarily if that's the way forward but they did explicitly say like they're just going to stop covering the games which like if you're going to stop covering the games that makes sense um but ceasing coverage of the company um overall would imply that you're not going to cover this court case which i would i would say is an absolute error hmm. you know it's funny that uh you you mentioned that because over here at tom's guide we, we had a very similar discussion briefly I'll, I'll say about um if we would follow a similar kind of cadence to what other websites are doing. And I think we're going to have a meeting about it sometime, but it seems that the indication is that uh, we as a publication will continue covering uh, Activision Blizzard because ultimately uh, our uh, journalists do a service to the reader, not to companies. Um, mm -hmm. And that by abstaining from covering stories from a certain company would essentially be virtual signaling in a sense and you know not doing kind of our jobs i has what has the discussion been like within dot esports i don't think there ever really has been a discussion uh we saw the lawsuit break and we immediately said okay this is something we're covering um i think our um our goal as a website may be a little bit different um from y'all's in that we are covering like the esports um aspect of it and mm -hmm. chopping off coverage of activision blizzard and in this case ubisoft would um 
eliminate quite a bit of the stuff that we report on and quite a bit of the games um, for us, which I think is quite different than the goal of a games coverage website. I mean, there's all there there, there is always uh, avenues to cover like indie games, and there are far more th- there's far more gaming uh, news than there is esports news, and I think that's that unfortunately kind of has to factor into it for us but the other factor in uh into it for us is like we want to cover this court case we want to follow this uh wherever it goes because we feel like it's important um we feel like this is kind of a monumental moment like a very it could be a very uh changing things moment for Mm -hmm. uh, gaming uh at large well you know uh, outside of you know developments over the weekend of more and more employees just kind of condemning what's been going on in Activision Blizzard. The actual case itself and the story by Bloomberg, uh, other than the instance of the suicide by the employee and other instances of harassment, what other things stood out to you from this lawsuit? Uh, The part that stood out to me was uh, the cube crawls. The fact that they had a naming convention for this um, indicates that this was done with, um, I would say, startling uh, regularity. As in, this wasn't like a one-off. This isn't something, oh man, we have a company Christmas party and everyone gets a little crazy. No, this was something um, that happened on a very, very regular occurrence that was kept uh, very much under the wraps. That, um, to me, would indicate that a lot of these statements of management uh, to where they said, oh, we had no, no idea this was all going on or like we didn't know the extent of it. Well, if you wanted to learn the extent of it, you probably should have started there that um, your employees have a definitive name for what is happening. Uh, mm. That's that's not good. Um, that to me would indicate that this was widespread enough to be a part of this company's culture to an extent, uh, to, to the extent that it is. And it would kind of throw those statements that they had no idea the extent. It, it throws that for me into extreme question. Because if you are the top dog at one of these organizations, right, and you have, you know to which the extent of this goes on, or you have heard at the very least that this is like a deep part of what happens at your company, that either means you knew and did nothing about it, or you were were negligent to the point of uh, what I would consider like, oh man, I'm struggling to find the way to word this, but if you're the the head honcho, you got to know this. This mm-hmm. has to be this has to be something you're aware of. There's no excuse. Um, there is no like, oh, we had no idea. We want to nip this in the we wanted to nip this in the bud. No, this was a two year investigation that had a name tie that had a name tied to the event where a good amount of women were like harassed at a, on a seemingly regular basis. You mm-hmm. should know. From what from you know reading the the reporting, it seems that largely men were able to act with impunity and um engage in behavior that really is acceptable in any other uh, work environment within the United States, but uh, we're essentially given a level of power and enough of leeway to, you know, engage in this sort of behavior, which seems very, it's it's hard to imagine any workplace really being okay with this. So it it really had to be very embedded in the culture, it seems. Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh calling it a frat boy culture almost kind of like it almost undersells it which mm-hmm. to me it that kind of like blows my mind that we are calling like the notorious american fraternity culture of just 
uh, binge drinking and at times like sexual assault. Not not saying that's a culture of every fraternity, but there are fraternities where like that is the norm for them, and there have mm-hmm. been many investigations uh, pu- uh, into that that have been public, um, easily available information if you'd like uh, more of it. Yeah. It just seems like that kind of like undersells it, which is honestly kind of staggering. It, it, it is very staggering. The full um, the full complaint is lengthy. Mm-hmm. It is difficult to read. Mm-hmm. It is. It just it, it, some of it doesn't seem real. It it, it 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 not that I'm discounting the words of the victims. Like it seems unreal that this would have been allowed to happen. Like anyone with a decent head on their shoulders would have said, okay, we, we need to nip this in the bud right now. You know, as somebody who's followed stories, you know, not only what's been going on with Activision Blizzard, but what was going on and, you know, the, the continued issues going on over at Riot Games. And even last year, what was happening uh, with the huge fallout at IGN.com, that it seems that uh, businesses that pull in people who are enthusiasts are able to, exact a certain level of exploitation and silence from from uh the these potentially new employees uh, you know getting a job you know, a coveted job in the gaming industry to or in, you know in the computer science industry to work on something creative like video games it requires a certain level of level of dedication and fandom and it becomes very easy for uh, i feel employees to bank on that fandom and you know, I not only just underpay employees, but abuse employees. Uh, and this is true on the journalism end as well, whether it be gaming journalism, esports journalism, any journal, any any amount of media that covers an enthusiast crowd will attract people that so badly want to be a part of this and do this type of work that they'll often undersell themselves or let themselves be harassed and stay silent on the issue uh, because they feel that the only way to uh, to have advancement is to continue dealing with you know the crap essentially and looking back on it you know i've i i know people in the gaming industry that worked really hard to get into activision blizzard only to leave about a year or two later and oftentimes when i would ask them or press them on it they often wouldn't want to go into the details and i think now that this story has come out I should probably circle back with them and just have a bit more of a frank conversation and extract more out of them. Um, is any of what anything of what I'm saying make sense, or do you agree with it? I, I would say yeah. It's it's very difficult because, like like you said, there are like elements of these jobs that are enthusiasts. It doesn't it doesn't help that like uh, quite a bit of the people who are also enthusiasts see these jobs as kind of like these. Uh, as perfect like oh you, you you get to work in games you get to you know stream games for a living you get to in my case i come from a traditional sports background so it was like oh you get to write about football for a living that means you get to go to football games well no there's actually a lot more that comes into it er, that, that goes into it than that and i think a lot of people especially in um that go into these kind of like enthusiast jobs they really underestimate um how much of a toll it takes when your hobby becomes your livelihood mm-hmm. that that is a those are two things that are completely switched around. And then on top of that, if the place that you are going in where, where your hobby is now your livelihood, you're being you know sexually harassed constantly, like pervasively at an institutional level, it's ignored, then that hobby is now dead to you forever. Like that, that's just gone. It, I really don't think we can um, oversell how much, how damaging 
things like these are to the industry at large because it does mm-hmm. push uh, people who not only are talented, it pushes uh, fans out of the space and that it um and, and also like with all of this stuff like what are we saying to the people who want to get into these jobs that this was just allowed like where's the guarantee that this never happens again and from activision blizzard's uh public statements where they're just basically denouncing everything and, and telling everyone that this is a lie like where's the guarantee that this doesn't happen ever again outside of like worker not revolt but but like a real like workers like stopping work and saying like nah we're we're not going to do anything until this gets fixed like we we refuse to work in this kind of mm-hmm. environment like where it, it's just all like where do we even go from here when the people in charge for the safeguarding of uh in- employees from other employees that would like do these things when their first response to it internally and externally was no, this doesn't exist. We did the uh, we we did the appropriate things. We're very disappointed that this was brought publicly. I I, I I hate to use an office office reference in something so serious, but it was like they did the Michael Scott declaring bankruptcy defense. It was like, <laughs> oh yeah, like we had the investigation. We're doing all we can, and then someone said like, well, no, this wasn't. This isn't enough. And they're like, what do you mean it's not enough? We declared that it that we're working on it. Like, no, that's mm-hmm. that's very clearly not enough. It, there needs to be action. And, you know, with the combative nature of Activision Blizzard's statement, it seems that it, the company is trying to tow, this, tow both lines. One, by having the deniability, it can prevent it from potential litigation or lawsuits, right? Or like the, the, accu- the person who's making the accusation has to do a lot more legwork um, before leveling any kind of suit. Um, but at the same time, from a PR perspective, there needs to be some kind of acknowledgement of these issues so that it can continue attracting, you know, good talent to continue making games and not have an exodus of all of its employees, right? Um, and it seems that this kind of juxtaposition is going to lead to a situation in which Activision Blizzard will fight this tooth and nail and never legally kind of admit its wrongdoing, Um even if a judge order uh, says it, it did, um, while also trying to spin it in a way that's positive and doesn't hurt its uh, standing within the gaming industry. Uh, I think this is why some publications have kind of are trying to add, do whatever they can on their end to act as a uh, I don't know as a pressure valve to um, push Activision Blizzard to maybe change and. Already, it's not just journalists. I mean, uh, stories uh, stories are coming out now. Even like YouTubers are refusing to cover Activision Blizzard content. Uh, so it's it it seems that the force of the community is pushing really hard against any kind of um, assault that Activision Blizzard is going to try to put against you know future litigation or uh, future accusations by constantly saying that. We did nothing wrong. And I think that's where the rubber is going to meet the road in, in this. Like, mm-hmm. the, it, to from a company perspective, Activision Blizzard's, um, their position is untenable. If they want to keep on um, saying that, no, we have all of this, like, th- this is exaggerated, this never happened. Well, all, all, all right, let's take it to discovery, which you clearly didn't want to happen 
by cooperating with the entire investigation in the first place mm-hmm. and trying to make changes. Like there have been a number of like very public um, it, it uh, pushes for like diversity and inclusion that Activision Blizzard has made very recently, actually. It's almost as if like they knew this was coming and are trying to make nice or trying to soften the blow. And this is not a blow that you can soften. You can't make this right. The only mm-hmm. way you make this right is by firing the people involved sh- and shutting that down immensely, paying some kind of restitution to the victims. And then, then we can talk about what steps you're taking to ensure this never happens again. There's a, there is an original wound, um, one that needs to be addressed. You cannot fix a broken leg with a Band-Aid. And it feels like they're trying to slap a Band-Aid on it like this is just a small cut. This mm-hmm. is a this is a gouge. This is a very, very deep wound that they are not going to get rid of so easily. They, and it seems like they think this process is just very simple. Oh, well, we'll apologize for this. We'll cooperate through this investigation. And this will all go away. Mm-hmm. It's very clear that that's not going to happen here. And what's happening at Activision Blizzard is not too dissimilar with what was happening and maybe is still happening at Riot Games. And I have a friend of mine over at the Wall Street Journal who doesn't cover gaming, you know, uh, at all and was asking, you know, how something like this could happen. And I kind of gave it some reflection. And I mean, I think one of the heads of Blizzard, I mean, like way, way back in the day, he was like the leader of some like really popular guild in some game. Um, And I guess it's not too surprising that Blizzard was like, hey, wow, you know, this person's like really popular in this game and is doing a good job leading, you know, this guild. So let's bring him on board. But I do think that it has something to do with these power dynamics and feeling that you can kind of get away with anything. I agree. But I also think that is partially because of the um, the blend of kind of uh, naked corporate influence that mm-hmm. games uh, have now and is present in many of these larger game companies. Um, while their rank and file empl- employees are like enthusiasts, like hmm. I believe there is a sense of well, th- I can get away with it from uh, the more corporate uh, people. I think there's a reckoning that is still waiting to happen in gaming it kind of happened a little bit in uh 2020 um when the me too movement really hit i think that's not all that we're going to see i think that is um the tip of the proverbial iceberg i think there is a lot of work um that gaming and our society at large have to do re our our treatment of specifically women in the workplace Mm -hmm. and um for the purposes of our conversation, uh, women in gaming, I think this is not over by any stretch of the means. And it, as depressing as this may seem, it, it might just be the tip of the iceberg. I, there, there, there could be like dozens, if not hundreds more accusations waiting to happen. And what we need to remember with this complaint is this is not a twit longer. This is not a Google docs. This is an official complaint from the state of California. Mm-hmm. This, these are the accusations that they think they have enough legs that they could go to court on. How many more instances like the ones described that they believe happened, but they will never be able to prove in a court of law. That is, 
I think the fundamental question that is the really troubling one going forward. How many more incidents like this were there that were, one, never reported, two, reported but ignored, three, uh, were found out by the DFEH, and they decided, like, look, like we, we feel for you, but this is not something that we can include in a, in a legal document. The fact that this is an actual suit moving forward is large and one that I think that part of what I think throughout this entire narrative that people have missed. I, I saw on social media, not pervasively, but a little bit of like disbelief towards this happening. Um, they're like, oh, these are just accusations like innocent until proven guilty. And the one thing that I could say to those people is like, if you were going to take something to a court of law and you are a literal like state entity that has been running a two-year investigation into all of this, are you going to take something that has flimsy evidence? Or are you going to take something that you and your team of lawyers believe that you can win against a massive company? One that has power, to be sure. Well, one that has power, not necessarily power that it can defy the literal state of California. I, I think that like mm-hmm. people do get a little bit defeatist when they talk about like, oh, these are massive corporations. They have all this influence. This is a federal case. I don't care how much money Activision Blizzard makes. It's not like Northrop Grumman. It's not like an arms dealing company. It makes video games. They can be beaten in a court of law. And it is the one thing that is like missing in all of this, like this is real. This isn't going to stop. And it was likely worse than the just staggering, staggering allegations that came forth in the actual complaint. This is only what the DFEH thinks it can prove, which is not holistic in any way, shape, or form. I would bet, I have no insider information on that, but I would bet my bottom dollar that there's more. Yeah. Well, you know, when it comes to this uh, ongoing story, I have already seen journalists on my Twitter feed make open calls to Activision Blizzard employees. And I know not only you and Jacob and the rest of the Dot Esports investigative team is looking into this, but so are the Washington Post and the New York Times and everyone else to see what more stories come out from uh, from this thing that's just happened, uh, it seems that generally when it comes to Activision Blizzard uh, as a company, it's not one as employees, or it's not a company that employees like to cross. Uh, but now it seems like it's open game. And lastly, or I, I guess what kind of restitution the DFEH is ultimately trying to seek with this litigation, um, is it beyond fines or is it asking for like a total restructuring of um, the company itself to help deal with this. Um, it's all stuff that is tied to gaming, tied to esports, and could you know effectively change the industry as we know it. Mm-hmm. And so far, I believe that the DFEH uh, is the the suit is for uh, re- reading off the uh, document here. It is a. Uh, Ordering a compensatory imputed dam- damages, unpaid wages, liquidated damages, and other remedies and penalties available under the Equal Pay Act, injunctive relief, declaratory relief, equitable relief, including but not limited to reinstatement and or front pay, pay adjustments, back pay, lost wages, and benefits including base pay, incentive pay, pension benefits, and awards in an amount to be proven at trial 
prejudgment interest is required by law, attorney's fees and cost of the DFEH, and other relief the court declares to be just and proper. So I, I'm not sure if that involves um, restructuring. That The last one is kind of like open-ended, but it does seem like right right now it's at uh, compensatory and punitive damages, which like... Yeah. Well, that definitely answers one of my questions then. Um, and it, it's, it's something that I know Activision Blizzard is going to fight hard. But with mm-hmm. that, thank you so much for jumping on the show. Oh, anytime. Thanks for having me. And that was FTW with Ahmad Khan, part of the .esports podcast network. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and share. For full transcripts of the show, head on over to ftwamod.com. To follow Hunter and the work that he's doing over at Dot, you can find him at DiamondbackGG on Twitter. To follow me and my work over at Tom's Guide, find me at Ahmad on Twitter. This episode was produced by Henrika Demore and Jacob Wolf. Executive producers are Kevin Morris and Thomas Tischio. With that, we'll catch you guys next week.